Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to Tony on the Mic. On this episode, I sit down with former Chief of Police Shelly Zimmerman, one of her first partners on the force, my cousin Gary Lawrence, both are retired from San Diego PD. We talk about the pros and cons of being a police officer, some of the challenges in terms of law enforcement. We tell some stories from the field. Chief Zimmerman went undercover to high school before there was such a thing as 21 Jump Street, first female San Diego Police Department chief, and her 35 years of service sets a record for female sworn officers. Her post-career endeavors include training for an Ironman triathlon, a 640-mile bike ride for charity, and lots of public speaking. My cousin Gary's also on the podcast. Just kidding, Gary. Sort of. You know, I got to bust you up a little bit. So sit down, strap in, turn on and turn up this episode of Tony on the Mic. Our story begins as these stories often do. And it's uh, kind of an interesting story. At least I hope some people find it interesting. I'll edit it out if it's not. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Gary, got anything like that? Philosophical? No, that's why you weren't chief. That's right. <laughs> Today, I have two very special guests. They were young police trainees together. One blossomed into chief of police, and the other's my cousin. So, <laughs> thank you. I like it. I like it. Gary, you can top that. You know I can't top that. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you ask me first? I should have. That was that was poor hosting on my part. I have to say that's the most amazing story I ever heard. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you happen to listen to this fine podcast product. My name is Tony Lawrence and I'm Tony on the mic. Today I have two very special guests. They were young police trainees together. One blossomed into chief of police and the other is my cousin. So, <laughs> thank you. <You're> right. <laughs> so I'm joined today by Shelly Zimmerman. Say hello, Shelly. Uh, thanks for having me. Good to see you, Tony. Yeah, and Gary Lawrence. Say hey, Gary. Hey, Tony. Hey, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's got the voice working today, though. He sounds, uh, today my guest is Barry White. Just give me a little song there, Barry. <laughs> Gary, Gary's not it's much. not going to happen. Right, right. <laughs> you, sang, you sang on the one. Which, did oh, you come tell? on, Gary. For the family. No. I'm the only <laughs> Lawrence that doesn't sing. <laughs> <laughs> you sang on the first one. I have I have it on audio. Don't make me break it out. All right. So uh, let's let's just start, just quickly breeze through the early life and background stuff. Gary, you were born here in San Diego, right? You lived here your whole life? Yes. And what inspired you to become a police officer? I originally wanted to be a firefighter. Mm-hmm. But in the 11th grade, me and my friends went, climbing a water tower, actually kind of close to La Mesa. And I realized how terrified I was. And I go, can't be a firefighter. <laughs> afraid of heights. Never do. I was afraid of heights. So I had an interest in law enforcement too. So I went for it. Okay. And Shelly, you came to California with a guitar and 200 bucks in your pocket from Cleveland. Yeah. You know, and it's a uh, kind of an interesting story. At least I hope some people find it interesting. I'll edit Is it that... out if it's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Is that, you know, I always say that the journey through life is really a straight line and there'll be many twists and turns. And I believe that you should embrace them because you can, you know, lead you to places that you never imagined were possible. And a football game, quite frankly, changed my life. I was a junior at the Ohio State University. Which which Ohio State? That would be the okay. Ohio State okay. University, <laughs> not to be confused with any other. Any other Ohio yeah. State. <laughs> and... Um, 
Uh, so as a junior, my boyfriend and I and a few other friends, we uh, came to uh, California to watch Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Unfortunately, in 1980, uh, lose to the Trojans of USC by one point Ooh. with literally seconds in the game left. And when Charles White scored a touchdown and we lost that game in the national championship and a couple more years, maybe I'll be over it. But uh, <laughs> maybe it's only been almost what forty-one years. Yeah, now. long time. But that, <laughs> but that one still hurts. And you know, but I always believe in in turning something bad into something good. You know, as they say, make lemonade out of out of lemons. But I guess you could say I'm a product of uh, tourism. And I, uh, you know, born and raised in Cleveland, very cold in the winter time, and particularly yeah. that winter in 1979, and then you know, January first, 1980. And um, I would see the commercials and uh, radio, I think, uh, for, of the, about the San Diego Zoo. So I wanted to go to the zoo. So we rented a car and we came down to San Diego and went to the zoo. Uh, you know, anybody who's been to our world famous zoo, it's incredible. It's incredible and, yes. and went to some of our most, you know, the most beautiful beaches uh, yeah. in the world here in San Diego. And. I made a decision right then and there that I shoveled my last driveway. So yes. you're correct. I went back and graduated from the Ohio State and which jumped, Ohio State? <laughs> the okay. And then I jumped on a plane with uh, you're correct, two hundred dollars in my pocket, one suitcase on my guitar, and when I got off the plane, um, here in San Diego, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a job. I didn't even have a place to stay. And as I used to tell people, don't worry, as your police chief, I plan much better now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's comforting. Now, just out of, like, where'd you stay the first night when you got off the plane? Did you like, well, get a hotel? Well, I had $200 or? in my pocket. Okay. <laughs> so I ended up, uh, uh, ended up uh, getting like a, a little efficiency down by the uh, by the beach. And, you know, I mostly, I mostly put myself through Ohio State. And my dad was a trial attorney in Cleveland. And I always thought that, I would follow in his footsteps and go to law school. And that's what I still thought that I would do okay. here in San Diego. But I, I saw that the police department was hiring and I joined the San Diego police department thinking that that job would pay for law school. But from day one of the academy, I fell in love with being a police and officer. And 35 years later, I retire as the chief of police. That is, that's amazing. That's kismet. You fell right into the right place at the right time. You said at one point you wanted to be a firefighter, and I understand that firefighters and police have a big rivalry and, and don't care for each other much. Is that what you found? Were you were you shunned when you decided to come to the police department? I don't think there's a rivalry. I think I'm jealous because I didn't get to kick back in a recliner when I'm not on a call. Because <laughs> okay, that's know, not going to do anything to fuel. <laughs> get food whenever I want, you know. Work out on duty, that right. kind of stuff. That kind of stuff. But it's not really a rivalry. No, no, not at all. <laughs> the kids wave to them with five fingers and me with one, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. No, it's, um, it's, there's not really a rivalry. Yeah. When I was a little kid, I lived right across the street on a street called Ozark Street in Southeast San Diego, and there was a fire station right across the street. So I think oh, so, that's oh, the yeah. other reason. Yeah. Between that and watching Emergency, yeah. I thought that was going to be a cool job. It would. It Which it is a cool, cool job. job. Yeah. And how long were you on? 31 years. 31 years. And were you the deputy chief when you retired? Oh, no, no, no. You. No, I was the, just a detective. Okay. Don't, don't say it like that. Don't say just a detective. We value our detective. I wouldn't detective. say that. Yeah, just yeah. like that either. That's yeah. uh, As a former detective myself, yeah, right. uh, no. working with Gary, that's uh, an incredibly important uh, assignment and rank. Now, you guys were partners. Is that right? 
Yes. We did work yeah. together, yes. And um, you invented 21 Jump Street, is what I understand. Is that? <laughs> well, I, no, I, I definitely did not invent 21 Jump Street. But, you know, I would tell you, several years before the TV show with Johnny Depp, you know, 21 yeah. Jump Street, that's true. I went uh, undercover in high school. I uh, talked myself into Patrick Henry High School. And, and the reason for that was is, you know, that was back in the early 80s, you know, when I graduated from the, from the academy. I went through field training. I was out on my own for a few months and then got pulled for this undercover assignment. And the in the early 80s, the uh, reports were coming in at Patrick Henry High School that there was just blatant and open drug dealing and usage uh, right there at the high school. And my my assignment was, you know, not to get straight A's, but my assignment <laughs> was to go and see if those reports of the blatant drug dealing right. were true, and if they were true, to um, make purchases from the drug dealers. And I'll tell you, it was really quite an eye-opening experience. Um, my first week in class, um, there was a student that put the book... Um, some of the books right in front uh, to, on the desk to block the view of the teacher and then laid down some lines. I, I think now it was methamphetamine, might have been cocaine. I don't remember exactly right now. But in class? Right there in class, uh, snorted right there. And, you know, it, it was really pretty incredible. I bought everything from, you know, cocaine, methamphetamine, uh, psilocybin, LSD, uh, PCP, marijuana, uh, you name it, I bought it. And on campus? On campus, yes. Wow. You know, many of them occurring right there in class. Um, they had, Patrick Henry at the time had something called a smoking section, and uh, several of the buys also took place there. Um, in the end, I believe it was about 72 students that were arrested for sales wow. uh, directly to me. And, and I'll tell you, you know, during some of the expulsion hearings, you know, some of the students came up to me and, and, and actually thanked me for... Mm -hmm. You know, they said they were just going down the wrong path. You know, so many didn't care about um, getting good grades or even right. thinking about, you know, going off to college or getting a, a job. You know, what they were thinking about was, you know, what could I steal to get more money to buy to more, more drugs, drugs just to yeah. get high? Um, and so several of them, you know, and that was you know obviously very satisfying to have them come up and say, you know, because of this arrest, you you turned my life around, and that is good, you know huh? I want to let you know that I'm I'm clean, and I I have been for. A that's got to so. be great. Sure, that's, that's got to sure. be fantastic. Yes. Now, were there? I assume these things didn't start at the high school. Were there people above selling to the high schoolers? Were you able to tie any of that together? You know, that really was not the the assignment. We didn't oh, okay. you know take it you know to okay. at that point to the next level, then to the next level. Yeah. Um, as far as my role, right. you know, as far as my role, what I did, you know, okay. I I went in as a junior. And, um, you know, and I, and how I guess, long, how long were you in school? Uh, for, you know, basically a semester. Okay. You know, started Did you get at, asked uh, to prom? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's actually a story of, of, of after one of the arrests that, that was done that, you know, one of the, the students came up to me and said, Hey, I was, uh, you know, I was thinking about voting for you for homecoming queen and, and all that. I can't, you know, I can't believe that you're, that you're a cop, you know, it's like, you know it was a story. So, um, but it was really just so eye-opening. Yeah. And, no, you know, I'm glad you told me this story after my kids are out of high school because yeah. <laughs> I was worried enough that that really kind of heightens the awareness. Yeah, and like I said, you know, and I, and I talk about this, you know, quite a bit is that, you know, with the, the blatant drug use, and, and again, the arrests that I made were people that sold directly to me. We, you know, didn't arrest anyone who was using, just those, just you know, that, uh -huh. but those that were actually yeah, 72 selling. 72 people sell yeah. you drugs? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and that's those. You know, I, I'm sure I could have. 
I'm sure more would have sold right. to me if, you know, the assignment went on longer. Uh, but it was just so blatant. And, you know, we're talking, you know, we're talking hard drugs here. You know, I mean, I mentioned PCP and, and LSD and methamphetamine and cocaine and, um, you know, and just openly um, using and selling right there in class and in the smoking section. And That's... it was, you know, it obviously something needed to be done. Yeah, in my high school, I remember that you could pretty much get marijuana pot whenever you whenever you wanted, and I was never in those circles. And I've always wondered if you can get if you could get more. And this was I graduated in 1981 from high school, and I wonder. I'm going back actually for my oh, for my 40 year high school reunion in a couple of weeks. We're going back to South Carolina, but I, that that perception of like when I asked my kids, we talks about drugs all the time. Kids, you know, are there drugs in school? Can you, you know make good decisions? And and to be honest, I'm sure they did some things and didn't do other things. But they all graduated and came out okay. But it's just terrifying that 72 people were selling, yeah. and and the degrees yeah. of drugs. Yeah, yeah I agree. And th and that's what really concerns me now too is, you know, you have. Um, you know, so many of, of like Proposition 47 that made these hard drugs a misdemeanor every single time. And you even have now um, an assembly member um, that you know, wants to legalize it, uh, wants to, to legalize, legalize you know, these hard Yes, these, wow. these hard drugs. And, you know, and, and, and to me, that's just going down the wrong path, you know. Um, and, and you see, again, you just walking around the streets of San Diego, you know, so many, you know, individuals that are using drugs just blatantly wide open and again with prop 47 so it's a misdemeanor should, every time well you know we have to do um there's no easy solution to right, this of you know there's not, yeah. there's no and one of the the detriments of proposition 47 quite frankly was basically the near death of drug court drug court was something that if we and gary could tell mm -hmm. you because you know we work narcotics and is that you know if we arrested somebody for a felony and you know gave them opportunity to get their life back in order to right. get off drugs to get the wraparound services that they needed you know be it job training you know whatever it happened to be right and um, you know, it's once you're addicted to drugs, it's it's not easy to get off it, and you know you're often going to fail once, twice, three times. You know, and so we're gonna this drug court is going to work with you and give you several bites of the apple, uh, and believe in you, but because you also have this felony hanging over your head, yeah, because you've been arrested for felony, right? So with with Prop 47, what that did is that it made these drugs a misdemeanor every time. So it made it a misdemeanor, you know, to to use, you know, um, heroin or cocaine or methamphetamine wow. the first time, the 20th time, the 30th time. Wow. There's no incremental penalty. So why I say it was the near death of drug court is because you, t you took away the incentive for individuals to get themselves off of the drugs, to yeah. get themselves clean and sober. So that's one of the things that... that was an unintended consequence to Proposition 47. So we need to, again, uh, make people uh, accountable for their actions, get them the help that they need. But these laws that are put in place, you know, so often, again, maybe well-intentioned, right. but have these really terrible unintended consequences. How do you feel about the accessibility of marijuana? Well, it's very similar, too, is that, you know, when um, you talk about the medical marijuana, uh, 
you know, there was not pushback on that. And, and right. you know, I was like the same thing. I was like, you know, look at if someone needs that because, you know, they're suffering from cancer and it's going to make their life, yep. you know, More easier. Right? And it's, it's like, hey, you know, great. I'm glad this is helping you. But when it went to the recreational you know, marijuana, uh, that became a whole different ball game. Uh, and again, because I, I go back to, again, early in my career where I saw these young kids that, you know, all they cared about was getting high. Uh, and, you know, same with marijuana. You know, some were yeah. just, you know, using and selling, you know, marijuana. But that's all they cared about was to get high all day. They didn't care about uh, getting good grades or going off to college or even getting a job. They they talked about what can we steal to, to get, get more, more money drugs, yeah. to buy more drugs, which included marijuana. So, again, you know, I think there's a big difference between uh, medical marijuana and recreational marijuana. I don't think anybody's going to be shocked to hear former chief of police against legalization of recreational marijuana. <laughs> Most law. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's again, typically there's so right. many unintended you see, consequences. Right, you see so much of it. Yeah. All right, let's go back to your early days. Gary, you've been undercover a couple of times. Tell me about some of the things you've done undercover. Did you ever go to high school? I didn't go to high school, which, by the way, I think I've done a lot of undercover work. I think that would be the hardest assignment because you see the same people every day. Yeah. A lot of the assignments I do, I'd get assigned, go to this house and try to buy drugs. You'd go up, buy drugs, you'd leave. But when you get to see the same person every day, <sighs> kind of cultivate you could a slip. Relationship and... Yeah, you could slip. They could catch you in a lie or, you know, yeah. there's because all they're doing is sitting around all day right. thinking who's a drug, you know, a co possibly undercover or not, right. you know, so the assignments that I did, I did, um, a lot of narcotics buys, but they were usually quick. And how did, did you have like, uh, informants who said you can go buy drugs here? Did you just go door to door trying to buy we'd drugs? We'd either have informants or we'd have citizens complaints. Oh, citizen complaints. Yeah. So a lot of times we do the, uh, undercover buy to get a warrant and then we do another undercover buy the day we had the warrant in hand to serve to it because we wanted to make sure they were up and running right. in home because if you're going to serve the warrant you want to take some people with you yeah so we do you know so that's basically the and how long were you stuff. undercover oh probably four or five years okay, what and about then, you Shelley? how long were you undercover uh, probably on and off for about six or seven years okay and how long were you able to pull off the high schooler <laughs> well, that was, yeah, that was, uh, you know, for a semester. Pretty, sh yeah. <laughs> Pretty short-lived. Yeah. Yeah. And they brought up, uh, then they invented 21 Jump Street. And and it's actually, if you guys look at the notes, it says the Shelley Zimmerman story. And no, I, don't so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. But it's, that's, uh, that's super interesting. It's super cool. A couple other things. Uh, you say you get 1.4 million calls per year in San Diego? Yeah, about uh, about that. So um, San Diego Police Department's Communication Center, you know, if you think about it, there's about 1.4 million people that live in the city of San Diego, and they get about 1.4 million calls into their communication center. That's correct. And, you know, when we talk about what I fell in love with about being a police officer and never went to law school. So, you know, when someone calls the police department, it's not for good things. Nope. You know, it's it's not to celebrate something. Something bad happened, and right. that's why they the the police were called. And so, as a police officer, and you respond to these calls, you know, you have an opportunity every day to make a positive difference in someone's life, and usually at the worst possible moment. And you know, that is that is very satisfying that you could try your very best to make things better for people. That's great, Gary. Do you ever try and make things better for people? I tried. I tried. Okay. I did a little bit here and there. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're going to go to our commercial, Alante Construction. Big Rick, call Rick at Alante Construction when you need small projects, big projects, North County to the border. Call Rick Villapondu at Alante Construction. Hey, 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 it's Tony the DJ bringing back Flashback Friday. That's right, we're going back to the one of the original Alante Construction commercials back when I was just learning how to make commercials. Take this trip down memory lane and go see Rick Villapondu for all your construction needs. Let's work. Let's work with Alante Construction and Rick Villapondu. I know you love these musical montages, Rick, so I'm trying to make one out of working. Let's see if you like this one. working in a coal mine. Well, I've been working in a coal mine, going down, down. Working in a coal mine, about to slip down. No, not working in the coal mine, or you're not working on railroads? <laughs> I know what you are working. You're working for the weekend, lover boy. Everybody's working for the weekend. Whether you're working in a coal mine, or working on the railroad, or just working for the weekend, Rick Villaponda will work for you. Any job you need done in San Diego, call Rick Villapondu and Alante Construction. And we are back with law enforcement leaders from San Diego County. Detective Gary Lawrence, former detective, and former police chief Shelley Zimmerman. So most of us, and I think one of the problems with, with society's view of police officers is, is very media influenced in terms of every police TV show you watch, every police movie you watch, there's one dirty cop. The perception is every office has a dirty cop, which obviously is absurd and, you know, the, those numbers don't bear out. But I am curious as to what police shows get right. What do you see that they do right or what do they do wrong? What is something, Gary, you mentioned something about when they do, they do something. We were talking the other day and you said, oh, and it makes me mad because they... When they Mirandize people. Um... Because if you think about it, when you Mirandize someone, you read them their rights, the point is you're interviewing them for them to tell you the truth. So you want to do that in an, as a detective in an environment where they'll tell you the truth, where you're comfortable. And in almost every police show, because after you have like a foot pursuit or a vehicle pursuit or a, some kind of physical confrontation with someone, everybody's right. pumped up. The, you know, the suspect's in custody. You're pumped up. Let the adrenaline go down. That's not the time to read your rights because you know what they're going to say. They're going to cuss at you and right, right. screw you and well, all you that. Know, that's funny because even as you're saying that, my vision is, hey, stop, hold it. Oh, gotcha. Slap on the cuffs. You have the right to remain silent. Because no. you don't either. have to, you don't even have to read anybody their rights till you're going to interview them. Really? So Unless they're the a juvenile. Thing. That's it. You can wow. go, you could take someone to jail if you're not going to interview them. You don't have to read them their rights, but you always want to because you want their side of the story. But I would never interview anybody or read them their rights right after a foot pursuit. And that's always what happens. And it's just, right. I'm going, On why, TV, why would you do that? You know, yeah. just it's just something they get wrong in every TV show. And Shelly, why are all police chiefs angry? On t- <laughs> That's another TV trope where the angry chief, you have two days to get this done or you never follow the rules. What, that can't possibly be reality. Were no, you angry I, like that? Did you ever yell at Gary like that? Gary, I'll let you answer. You never yelled at me. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gary, you've you know, retired. She's not your boss anymore. <laughs> you, you can come clean. <laughs> you know, it's, and I have, to, I have to let you know, I, I don't watch a lot of TV, but, you know, everything's about, you know, dramatic and, and what they of do on TV. And, and I hope people understand is what they do on TV is, is TV. It's right. not reality. Right. And, you know, growing up, one of the shows I did like, though, is that mm. I liked One Adam 12. You know, Gary, you talked about emergency. I think it was yeah. one and twelve, and then it was emergency yeah, that came on. on. Yeah, yeah, right, right yep. after that. I liked both of those shows, yeah. and you know, the reason why too was, uh, well, first the police were the good guys, right. you know, and girls, right. um, and there, but there was always seemed like there was a lesson that there was. Uh, something about you know they explain what they're doing and why they're doing it right. and why they're trying to trying to make things better um and i don't know if there's shows like that on right now or or not the rookie uh, and swat are both pretty good about trying okay. yeah about trying to role model and explain yeah, yeah and, and it's it's important to do that and you know but again you know tv is tv right. movies are movies right. and you know real life is real life and you know carrie i i know many many times you know we would spend a shift writing reports right i yeah. mean so that would be a very boring uh you know, tv, TV show. show and sitting <laughs> yeah. there writing reports i never show that part of it of how long it takes to document everything but you know it's it's interesting when you ask me the the original question about you know why do they show grumpy and again i don't i don't know what's on or, or right, what isn't right. on right now but you know, I truly believe, though, that an organization, you know, it could be a police department, could be any organization, is that your most important resource is your personnel. And how you treat people um, really goes a long way as to how your personnel, no matter what business you're in, how they're yeah. going to treat other people. And, you know, being a police officer, quite frankly, is a, is a people business. And so, you know, you have to and you you should treat everyone right inside organization outside the organization and certainly as as a supervisor and the chief of police is that you know you're you want to make sure that your personnel have all the tools that and resources that they need to to do their job so they can go out and help everyone else i like it now did either one of you ever use a catchphrase when you arrested somebody what did kojak say what was kojak's thing he well, licked the lollipop and yeah, go, the lollipop, who loves I, you, baby? Yeah, oh, that's yeah right, who that's loves you, baby? Yeah. You so, know, I never, the, um, I never had a catchphrase, but but something that I would say often to individuals that I arrested is that don't let this arrest define you. Yeah, you know, you're you're going to need to be held accountable and um, to what you did, but you know, it's up to you if you if you let this define you for the rest of your life. What if? Gary, you have kids and grandkids now, Grandpa. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're old. You're old. What reunion are you going to? Uh, like I said, you have kids and grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> and if they wanted to get into law enforcement, what would you tell them was the toughest part of the job and the most rewarding part of the job? I'd say the toughest part of the job is, especially these days, people don't respect what you're doing. And they expect you to do wrong when you're contacting somebody. A few months ago, we were in a Costco parking lot, and there was a guy with some mental issues. Chula Vista Police was there, and everybody's, there, no exaggeration, there was 20 iPhones out, and it's like 9 o'clock in the morning in a parking lot. Yeah. And the officers are there. They're surrounding yeah. them and taking, everybody's taking photos because they think they're going to be the next TMZ. Right, right, exactly. You know, so once it's, once everything was over, um, 
one man said, great job, officer. And then everybody else starts clapping. Well, not everybody. Uh but about most, half. enough. Yeah. But that was pretty good. I, no, that's that's you know. actually encouraging to hear that. That it, it's like the crowd isn't disappointed that you didn't do something wrong. But I I mean so that's the you have to go in there knowing you're doing you're not doing it for the people that are going to be on the internet making comments. You're right. doing it because you're doing the right thing and that's why you're going to do it. You asked the question of the most rewarding? Yeah. The most rewarding is what I used to, my favorite thing about being a detective was, is getting to a scene and people's, let's say someone's house was burglarized and you start talking to them and you realize quick, they don't have any insurance. They don't have, they say, they worked their butt off to buy this kid, this TV or this game system and Console, it's yeah. gone. Yeah. The, it's their PlayStation's gone and you you work the case you and they don't think you're gonna they're just reporting it right they don't think you're gonna solve Ever the look case into it right and not only do you solve the case you bring the system back you get them uh, their stuff back that would just always make me feel good something like that when people thought there was no hope yep and you bring them some hope it makes you feel good it's yeah. very selfish but it makes you feel good you know there is that train of thought that says if you do something that causes you joy it's selfish I, I don't subscribe to that. I think that if you do something that spreads joy or gives joy and that in return gives you joy and I just think it's a perpetual train that if everybody has a little bit of joy and they can give it to someone else, you know, yeah. like they say about the candle, it doesn't your flame doesn't dim if you light someone else's candle. That's true. And and I think that there is this this embedded perception we have sometimes if something makes me feel good, then I'm doing it for selfish reason. Yeah. And I I don't know. Maybe I'm selfish <laughs> for thinking that because I'm trying to get that out. Yeah, that's and, a good point. You know, so I, I wouldn't worry about that. What about what about you, Shelley? My 19 year old comes up to you and says, "I want to be a police officer." What's the best and worst thing about it? Well, first of all, I would say uh, it's such an honorable and noble profession. Uh, something that I've, you know, quite frankly, dedicated my my just about my entire adult life to. Um, I'm doing some other things now, still trying to give back to the community. Um, but absolutely, it's uh, you know, Gary, you were spot on. Is that even though it's very difficult times right now, I think this is the most challenging time to be a police officer. Um, you know, think about what police officers uh, have to deal with every single day, and you know, there's often not a perfect solution to all of society's troubles and ills, which people call us because we're the only one that responds 724. Um, so yes, you know, a 19 year old comes and says, you know, I'm interested in being a police officer. Absolutely. It's a, an incredibly um, satisfying and honorable and noble profession. Um, the, you know, the difficult part though, again, is that, you know, Gary, again, you're, you're spot on is that um, the trust factor. But, you know, every day we have to go out and earn that trust. And, you know, you're not going to see that. And as I talked about before, you know, 1.4 million calls and, and, you know, what we respond to. And, and you know, there's 18,000 police departments across our country and how many hundreds of thousands of police officers. And, you know, every day they're doing in, incredible work uh, that you're never going to know about. Right. So, Rich could be a police officer. That'd be all right with you, my son. Absolutely. Okay. And San Diego PD is hiring. What's another good thing about being a police officer? What are, what are, things, what are some of the things you enjoy about police officers? Or even, and you enjoy when they do it well on television or in the movies? What is? I love the banter. I love the, you know, the relationships that you see a lot between police officers. And, you know, Gary and I, I mean, many times we'd been on a, a stakeout. 
and you know the conversations that that you're gonna have with your partner on a on a stakeout and you know you might be on that stakeout for you know days yeah. with nothing happened you know and it's you know what you learn about your partner um and again so the back and forth is just uh it's just really something special. And even though this wasn't a police show, because I know you asked me about, about right. police shows, what they get it right. But one thing that I really, that I did watch was uh, West Wing. And oh, I yeah, loved yeah. the banter on West Wing and on how they talked about things. And, yeah. you know, so often is the, the issues you're dealing with, there's so many different parts to it. And often it's so much bigger than people realize. Yes. And so often people think they they know everything right. by looking at a you know a, a two second you right. know video clip or, right. or something and and you know they don't necessarily know everything um, and you know cases that you know Gary and I can could talk about for a long time that um, you know little pieces of information that you're putting together and I know you had mentioned about what makes it feel good that you're able to return you know property to to right. a victim and and make their lives better but you know the amount of work that goes into that, um, to take a little piece of information or, or something that you might have seen on a stakeout and put that pieces of you know puzzle together to get a bigger picture. And the next thing you know, there's something else. And then there's something else. And then there's something else. Um, you know, it's, uh, I tell you, it's, like I said, it's the, the greatest show on earth and we do have a front row seat. Nice. Gary, you like a banter? Y you know, you're in the car eight to ten as a patrol officer. Right. Eight to ten hours a day. Now, and I'm, now were you always with a partner? Typically? No. Oh no. No. Okay. no. A lot of cars you're by so, yourself. Okay. But Often when you yourself, are with yeah. when you are with a partner, you're in there eight to ten hours a day. Well, minus lineup. But right, 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 right. Pretty much nine hours a day for sure. And when you're not on a call, you're talking back and forth. You get to know your partner really good. Especially if it's like a partner you work with every day, and you and then you experience the craziness and the sadness and the happiest and the scary times together, and it's like a relationship, like with your you know a, a husband and wife in a way. I and what I mean by that is you go through you know something tragic happens in your life, but it makes you stronger in the end and that type of thing. That's how the partners are. That's why certain partners you get you get so close with and have you ever had just, somebody asked not to be your partner i don't want to be partners with him anymore no have you ever asked to not i've be asked else? not to be people's partner okay yeah but when you guys did quote break up when you moved on did you embrace well, we your... were we were partners in as detectives right. okay so in what usually happens with partners we worked as a team a lot of times right. okay you know so we'd work with different people in the vice unit that's when we were part when we would partner up but what usually happens is someone gets promoted or someone she goes to or goes to another assignment she got promoted and, and goes to, yeah well some people get promoted and go further than others <laughs> but usually it's something like that someone switches an assignment that's right. when you break up you know okay. like patrol you know, someone maybe, you know, put in for canine and they get that assignment. So then they leave, you know, that's usually when the partnerships. Do you ever get jealous if somebody up. had a partner that you used to have and you think they were happier? And did you say, what's I wrong? have had that thought before. Really? Yeah. It's like <laughs> I had a partner, Ken Fortier. We were really close and he went and 
was working with some other guy. He switched divisions. And he's telling all these stories. And I'm thinking, damn. <laughs> Do you talk about me? Right. <laughs> Do I ever come up? You know. I did. I had that thought. Before. That's funny. Yeah. No, and it's it's human nature. I mean, yeah. when you when you share with someone, you become connected. Yeah. And then you know, and it's it's weird. And I, I'm not trying to make police officer partnerships marriages, but it's super similar in a lot of ways. Well, it's that, like your work. Like for me, it's like your yeah. work husband. Yeah. You know, or Gary. Yeah, your yeah. work wife. You know, yeah. This because it's you're with them so so much, and and you care about the other person. I mean, because you. You know, we, we know what we're dealing with. And you, yeah. know, you talk about, you know, getting through things stronger. You know, resiliency is so important. And, you know, we take on other people's problems on as our own so we can help them. Yeah. And, and that that's not easy. No, no, that's a that's a burden and a, a burden that you embrace. But it is a burden. Nonetheless, it's a it's a burden. Now, I mean, I'd, I'd have partners, Tony, and they would call someone would drop the end bomb on me. I wouldn't have to say anything. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> part of the deal. Yeah, they go off on the guy. Don't nice. disrespect him. Blah blah. blah. I'm like, I wouldn't say anything. Yeah, it's like that's just, you know, that's just part. They they would get so upset because they're like, okay, right. He really did go there right now. Right. <laughs> you, know, right. You, know, you know, they they get upset about it. You know, that's good. So. One question: in the show, the rookie, the new show, they call the car the shop. Is that something that actually happens in real life? I haven't seen, you know, again, I haven't, I haven't seen the show, The Rookie. Um, you know, we used to call the the car. It's like it's my office. You know, when I was right. in patrol, I it's like here's my office for the yeah. next <laughs> you know, eight to ten hours. So if that's what they mean by it, I, I, you know, I've never heard that. See, because I, I watch it, and they and and if they just said it once or twice, it probably just would have washed over. What's well, Nathan Fillion's in the show, and I really have a soft spot for him. He's a really cool guy. But it's shop. Get the shop ready. Get the um and then no, we don't say that we don't e we wouldn't even say like get the office right we just like hey get the car yeah, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. go get the car yeah and do plain language boots or like rookies or something they call them boots because hey boot go do or, this or boot. worse what <laughs> fng fng now you're gonna have to give me a hint I'll i can clean I can it figure... up i'll clean it up freaking new guy oh you know, you joke, you jo but it's the right, joke right, for right. the compat. You know, they're of like, course, oh yeah. yeah, you know, and then they do something. But the thing that's nice about that is, it's like, hey, we're not expecting you to know everything, right? Right. But when we tell you something, as a senior officer, listen. Yeah. You know, we're not expecting you to be perfect or you know know everything because you can't. Right. You know, so. Yeah, you know, we always too, say every day is a training day. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter how long you've been on. Yep. Every single day is a training day because, you know, think about this. Think, you know, how we were trained. You know, I went to the academy in 1982 and, um, you know, how we were trained, you know, or I would even say what was best practices then, you know, certainly are not now. What right. was even best practices five years ago, probably many are not now. And what's regarded as a best practice today likely will not be a few right. years from now. So you are constantly yeah. learning and relearning and relearning. Um, so every day is a training day. Hmm. So you got this little cookie jar of uh, nice little slogans you're pulling out today. Every day is training day. Um, dang it, I forgot. I'll hear them when I go over it. Maybe I'll, I'll have a compilation at the end. Front of, row seat to life. Front row seat to life. But it's true. It's, yeah, you it's know. just, I'm just, just talking, so you know, just the bantering end, the truth. At the end, I'm going to I'm gonna put all this together. So when you listen, make sure you listen post-credit. Okay. Because after the wrap-up, 
We're going to have the best of. <laughs> <laughs> Words of wisdom. <laughs> I want to go to another commercial break before we get into some of the fun stuff about what you guys are up to these days and things. And this one is Retro Sports on Fletcher Parkway. They do team gear, workout gear, custom-made uniforms, embroidery, silk screening. You need it for sports? Jacob at Retro's got you covered. Hey, sports fans, what do Billie Eilish, Travis Scott, and me have in common? Jacob Oberin Retro Sports has done our gear. That's right, he's done gear for bands, teams, sports, schools. You have a need, he can fill it, I promise. They do embroidery, screen printing, tackle twill, heat press, and if you have an organization, they will build you a spirit website. You can do it for your school or your team, whatever you have going on. He posts it all, they order it, he makes it, and you get money. You share in the profits. It's free. Check it out. They'll do your letterman's jacket, fitness equipment, whatever you need. And when you go in there, make sure you tell them that Tony on the mic sent you in. To Jacob Ober, great in the community. Outstanding product and service. Check out Retro Sports, retrosports.net, and 9100 Fletcher Parkway in La Mesa. We are back today. My guests, Shelly Zimmerman and Barry White. Say hello, Barry. <laughs> That's Gary, not Barry. Oh, Gary. <laughs> Gary, your voice is sounding good, man. I, I don't. I remember. It's I the mic. Something's going on. I got the sexy effect on your mic. Did I turn that on? Before I need to we take start? this home. <laughs> hey, honey, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> or you could use it for the kids. I told you to take out the trash. <laughs> it's amazing what you could do with a little effect. So both of you retired. That's fantastic. What are you up to now? Should I understand you're doing some physical stuff? You're into sports and training. What are you up with? Well, yeah, and I'm also right now um, working uh, for National University, um, oh. uh, guest lecturing. I do a lot of work in their uh, public safety and leadership curriculum. Um, a lot of uh, you know podcasts, a lot of panels mm. that I'm on. Uh, you know, all my speaking engagements in this person. This is clearly the best podcast. Uh, without a doubt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was traveling the country again, speaking on a variety of uh, public safety topics, but obviously with COVID that stopped. But um, yeah. but then I got even busier because everybody figured out you could still do it via Zoom or Ugh. WebEx or whatever the platform. And yep. on a bunch of nonprofit boards. Um, but yes, uh, one of the things that I'm doing is that I have a bucket list item that... Um, I am training for a full distance Ironman, Ironman Arizona. Wow. Now in, that's a marathon. Uh, it's a 2.4 mile swim followed by a 112 mile bicycle ride followed by a full marathon, all within 17 hours. And some mornings I wake up and I look at my training schedule and I'm like, okay, I, I can do this. And then I would say right now, half the time I wake up questioning my life decisions. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> like, training, wow. training for a marathon is, is one thing. And then you throw in yeah, a little over 100 miles biking, all right, and then two miles swimming. More than two, yeah. And it's yeah. it's and it's obviously you have to do it within um, 17 hours. But I will tell you, I've done some, um, you know, probably about seven eight years ago. I, I would do quite a few sprint triathlons, a couple Olympic okay. distance triathlons, but I haven't really done any in several years. I didn't have the time, but this has always kind of been in the back of my mind. And I will tell you. Um, Two challenged athletes. I'm also very involved with the Challenged Athletes Foundation. And oh. 
raise money for them and you know we ride our bicycle from san francisco to um san diego as a matter of fact so I, we're just starting to train that matter of fact the first kickoff will be this weekend for the training the official training for that now uh, you that's from san francisco to san diego correct about 640 miles will be the route wow. that we'll take and to um, a lot bring of awareness and to raise money for um, challenged athletes with physical uh, challenges. And this started, the Challenged Athletes Foundation, or, or CAF, uh, CAF, started here mm. in San Diego about 26 years ago by helping just one athlete who needed a adapted piece of equipment. And from that one grant, grants now, 26 years later, have been awarded in all 50 states and I think something like 60 plus countries wow. to athletes to assist them with with physical challenges. And it can be anywhere from, you know, a child with maybe a birth defect and, you know, will need several running legs throughout their life. And something that a lot of people don't uh, realize is that, you know, insurance, if, if they do cover, it will only cover let's say a, a a leg you know a prosthetic right. leg but it's not an adaptive leg it's not a running leg if that's what they want or it's um, not a wheel a, you know a wheelchair basketball if you need a, a right, particular right. wheelchair for basketball or a bicycle or a prosthetic that you're still able to cycle and you know i'll tell you the first time i did this bicycle ride in 2013 i had never even driven my car over big sur and here <laughs> i am riding my bicycle over Big Sur on this one particular day. It's like 6,000 feet of, of vertical climbing, you know, that you're doing in your... And I remember at one point it was, you know, it was pretty tough, pretty challenging. And we come along a couple challenged athletes and one has a prosthetic... And they're on bicycles and they're pedaling. They're on this right. ride too. And one has a prosthetic on their right leg. The other one has a prosthetic, cycling prosthetic on their left leg. And they're helping each other up one of these hills on Big Sur. Wow. And I thought to myself, when I'm looking at that i said i have no issues right um, right you know I I, I I need to stop feeling sorry for myself yeah. that i'm a little tired look at what they're able to yeah. accomplish and that's fantastic you know that's been the quite frankly the catalyst for a you know i don't want to say attempting because i want to have that positive attitude that right, i right. will complete this right um that you know i've watched challenged athletes you know uh complete you know, complete a full Ironman with no legs and wow. have the adapted piece of, of running or, you know, they're swimming 2.4 miles with just their arms or whatever the cir circumstances. And, you know, they just had the the one you might have seen on, uh, uh, I believe it was ESPN, uh, Iron, uh, Ironman last year. I think it was in Florida that the first uh, individual, I think he had Down syndrome, uh, completed a full Ironman, and he got a, a spot to compete in Kona this year for the World wow. Championships. And it just goes to to show that, you know, sports is just incredible and, and able, you know, to, to have this opportunity to do this and raise money for the Challenge Athletes Foundation. The money goes, you know, to buy these adapted pieces of sports equipment to help these athletes get back into the game of life and buy a sports well, I did a little research, very little. Obviously, we just talked a little bit yesterday, but the Challenge Athlete Foundation, some of the stuff they do, it's incredible. They have the access for athletes where they provide uh, resources for competitions and so they can compete. And they have Catch a Rising Star, which is instructions and basic sports skills that, you know, and I don't want to say anyone, but most people can go coach Little League 
and take you know 10 kids who are much like most of the kids in the world and teach them how to do it. but they have specialized instructions to teach kids how to bike how to play baseball how to do different things yep. which is fantastic then reach high which is more about their informed decisions about health and again it's a little different you know you tell a kid to go take a walk you know maybe it's guy has a prosthetic leg or there's different things but they tell them how to manage their health and how to make good decisions operation rebound uh which is for veterans and first responders and they do that and then project next which is new expectations today they match challenged athletes with challenged mentors and who have been through it and it's it's a dynamite program i'm I'm embarrassed i didn't know anything about it and it's it's really kind of cool that that you're involved in working on that because that is i mean that's to me i don't know what if anything you know about me but i'm all about the community i mean i was president of the little league i was president of gross mile athletic foundation and raised money for the school and i was pta president and talent show you know and and i just think that our communities are us you know 100 percent. Yeah. you know so we like to say is that you know it's a shared responsibility and you know tony i'll tell you is you know for all your listeners um this bike ride is going to take place in october and and it culminates um in La Jolla and over that weekend. And what you're going to see is, you know, again, so many challenged athletes that are there participating. They didn't necessarily do the, 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 the 640 mile right. ride, but, but the whole weekend is about sports and there is a triathlon uh, also. And you're going to see hundreds of kids that are going to run, quite frankly, maybe for the first time with their oh, new running legs. That's amazing. And they've come from all over. It's not just here in San Diego, and they realize that this event that, you know, maybe the small town that they're from, they may be the only one that looks like them, but when they get here in San Diego, they see that they're not alone. There's many like that. One of the best pictures I saw, and I I wish I knew the name, but it was a soccer player, a professional soccer player, who had the arm from an elbow, had had it amputated, and then a little girl in the stands, and they touch, amputate, and... I don't, <laughs> you know, I'm just watching it melting into the couch, but just great, great moments. Whenever you can touch anybody anywhere and, and create what they might have thought impossible is is just yeah. remarkable. So I, do you know the website off the top of your hand? You could easily find it by Challenge Athlete Foundation, but. Um, yeah, I believe it's dot .org at the dot end. .org, yeah. okay, so, yeah. So yeah. You could, anybody could just up. Google it. Challenge yeah, check it out, make a donation. Get on your bike, start training 640 miles, or you can do the triathlon. Right. Um, and, and we encourage people to come on out and participate in this. And you could um, you could do the swim. You could do you don't have to do the whole thing or you okay. could do, you know, on the weekend of the triathlon, you could do the swim, you could do the run or you could do the bike or any combination. Uh, they have spinning. You could you want to oh. do a stationary bike. They have spinning out there. They have all types of, of ways to participate. And as you talked about community, yeah. you know, sharing the responsibility to help each other. So. Now, if I go, I'm not taking a bike from a... No. Okay, so the, I just want to, you know... No, 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 no. You're not taking a bike from, you're saying, like a challenge athlete. Right, right. No, so what would end up happening is that, um, and again, you go to the website, and you, you'd end up signing up for, let's say, an hour of a spin right. class, so those bikes are there, and... It's um, or you know if you do have a bicycle and you wanna, there's a few spots left for this yeah. ride down the down the coast. We'd love to have uh, you. <laughs> Six hundred and forty miles. When about a hundred miles a day. When I was in college, um, or uh, just after college, I was riding. I would ride a bike with a friend for fitness, and I didn't find out for two years. We'd go on like a five mile bike ride almost every day, like five days a week. I found out literally two years later that that was his warm up 
that he would go on to bike like 50 or 60 miles after he dropped me off. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me? And he says, because I know you're a knucklehead and you would have wanted to come with me and you would have slowed me down. And I'm like, and then I'm getting mad. Like, what do you mean slowed you down? <laughs> so, but it's about, I'd say about a 10 mile, probably is the longest I've ever done. I think I could do more of it. I think 640 stretching my, stretching my limitations. Oh, uh, you could do it. If I could do it, you could do it. Uh, you got original knees. I'm working on refurbished. <laughs> yeah, but like we talked about, challenge yeah. athletes. Oh, that yeah. Oh yeah, man, did I just them, say that? Yeah, yeah you did. some of them don't even have legs. So wow, yeah, wow. Yeah, we've had we've had Edit. blind challenge Edit. athletes that are on the back seat of a of a tandem bicycle and oh wow. So. Gary, do you want to go on this bike ride? Six hundred forty miles. I'm gonna cheer Shelly on. Okay. Thank you. I'll take and, the and uh, donate. Donate. Ah, nice. even better. Thank you. Now, it, my notes got a little conflated here. Game Changer is that affiliated or is that no, a that's separate something project? Different. So, okay. and and thanks for bringing that up because I know you know we're all sports related here and we yeah. we all like sports and and you know, as we talk about that we're all connected and and how we have to help each other and. Um, you'd heard me, you know, mention the Ohio State before, and, and it's it's really kind of an interesting story. And, you know, it goes to c community policing philosophy, which I absolutely believe in. And I had gone to an awards uh, ceremony for a longtime chaplain in our department, uh, Father Henry Rodriguez. And uh, I walked into the church, and there were tables and it was open seating and tables were round and most of the tables had just about every table had you know numerous people already sitting there and I saw at this one table toward the back that there was this um, African-American gentleman but he was sitting by himself and so I walked over to him and I said hey do you mind if I if I sit here and he says sure and I ended up I sit right next to him well, of course <laughs> and <clears throat> so we we start talking immediately and and I'm in full uniform and Within moments, we realized that we have the Ohio State in common. He was a um, the director of, of Olympic sports at the Ohio State. His name wow. is Sean Shepard. I told him I was a proud graduate of, of Ohio State. And I will tell you, to the wonder of everybody else that sat with us, um, we talked about Buckeye sports and community policing and, of course, Father Henry, you know, the entire night. And we exchanged phone numbers and, and pledged to keep in touch, which we did. Nice. And, matter of fact, when I uh, became chief, you know, a few years later, he was one of the first to congratulate me, calls me up. And shortly after, uh, you know, uh, a couple years later, uh, you have the events of Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, and he calls me up and says, you know, let's go out to lunch. I, I'm really bothered by this. And he, he starts talking to me about something that is called Game Changer. And he says, what I envision is uh, police officers and community members uh, having a, basically a focus group and, you know, maybe no more than 20 people, uh, 10 police officers, 10 community members. And and it's a um, uh, moderated, uh, you know, session that we have. And then we, we tackle, you know, really tough issues, but, but talk to each other. And at the end of that is that we would all go in and enjoy a sporting event together, just as nice. regular, you know, fans yeah. and, and everything else. And Now go, like, to a Padre game? Or Padre game. Uh, yeah, Padres whatever. were all in. A goals game, right. uh, you know, uh, all in. And, okay. you know, San Diego State, uh, Aztecs, uh, uh, all in. They were all in. And so the what ends up happening, so I said, you know, w Definitely. Uh, and I truly believe this. And, you know, if you think about it, 
said, you know, when I have the opportunity to to walk around, um, you know, a parking lot before a game and, you know, what are you seeing? You're seeing, you know, black, white, male, female, Asian, young, old, um, you know, you're seeing every walk of life. And when you walk into the game and, and you know, you get a walk-off home run or, or yeah. you know, when we had the Chargers, you know, you get right. you know, the, right. the, 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 the pass that, that wins the game. Um, and, you know, you're hugging each other. You're not looking at somebody's, you know, yeah. race or you're not right. looking at their religion. You're not looking at their, you know, you're just, you're so happy for the moment. And I truly yeah. believe that sports bring people together. So I told Sean, I'm 100% all in and I was going to help him. So it's true. I contacted uh, uh, Steve Fisher, who was the oh, coach of the yeah. Aztecs, who I got to know. Um, and it's interesting because he was the former coach of that team up north. Uh, yes. And, you know, before <laughs> Michigan. he was. For those of you who aren't that, paying that it, other right. team, right? That, 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 that M school that we don't mention, but um, uh, you know, but before he was the the Aztec coach and just obviously did a phenomenal job yeah. of that, and he, and he was all in and was going to help, and several of his players actually participated in this, and oh, wow. and then you know I, I talked with uh, Sue Botus who was uh, um, at the time working you know in community for the uh, the Padres, okay. who was just incredible, and it so happens that Sue was a graduate of the Ohio State and, uh-huh. and talked to Coach Dallas Eakins of, uh, of the goals at the time. And he went to uh, Game Changer and had some of his players that wow. went. And so, you know, everybody was all in regarding this. And uh, I'm proud to say that it's been incredibly successful. It's gone to, I think, something like, a, I think, up to probably more than 40 or so police departments now across the oh. country that have done this and other sports teams that have uh, signed on to this. Uh, because who was a Martin Luther King that said, you know, it's hard to hate up clothes. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. when you're talking to somebody, uh, you learn that you have these shared experiences. Like, here, I just saw Sean sitting by himself. And I walked over to him because he was sitting by himself. And next thing you know, we have this thing called Game Changers that has now gone all over the country. And I I truly believe this is that, you know, we have shared experiences to our individual life stories. The catch is all you have to do is ask and learn about people. Well, they say travel and experience is the biggest deterrent to racism or sexism or everything. The The more people, different people you talk to, you find out. That we have way more in common than we do apart. Great. That's fantastic. Um, Gary, what'd you do? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's why Shelly was the chief. Okay. <laughs> Overachiever. <laughs> uh, I would tell you, Gary's being very humble. Um, you know, just an outstanding individual. And, and listen to, you know, here you're, you're teasing him and all yeah. this. And, but, you know, he can talk to... And just bring calm to so many situations, and you could already probably tell, because you've interviewed him before, is that the heart that he has, just such a big yeah. heart. And and when he would go and interview, you know, victims, of course, would make him feel comfortable to, right. you know, tell bad things that happened, you know, to them. But then also to be able to get suspects to to understand that, you know, they need to to admit to what they did and, and, you know, again, not let what they did define them. And, you know, Gary has a knack of just, you know, putting people at ease and talking with people. He really is outstanding. No, he Did you hear that, Tony? I heard it. I heard it. And I'll go one further. I agree. Thank you. And I don't say it enough, but I love you, man. I respect everything you you do. I I really do. I think you're a great guy. You're as good as they come. Tell me about Lance. 
Yeah, so what have challenged athletes, uh, a former Marine, uh, Lance Ware? And here's the story with Lance. And, and as I was saying before, I, I, I really like to learn this story of, of individual life stories. Right. Um, and I say this all the time, too, is like so often we have shared experiences or we're connected. You just have to ask. And as we're riding along and Lance uh, had a terrible accident while he was a Marine and he became a paraplegic and then also uh, no use of his legs and minimal use of his arms and hands. Mm -hmm. And he's riding on a, what we call a back of a sled um, that Holland Bicycles here in San Diego, another local company um, that built specially for him because it's two people. He rides in the back. You have right. somebody else that's in the front, but it doesn't look like a regular bicycle. We call it a, a sled. And <clears throat> so we're riding, you know, down the coast for, again on this ride from San Francisco to San Diego. And I asked Lance, I said, so, you know, Lance, um, you know, how, how did, you know, how did you cope with this? I mean, this is, you know, obviously terrible and life changing what happened to you. And, you know, he's telling me the story and he happens to mention, he says, you know, there's a song called Walking in the Memphis. And he says, you know, after I had my accident, that song really meant a lot to me. And it really helped me, you know, um, cope with everything that I was dealing with. And I said, wait, Lance, the song Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohn, that Mark Cohn sings? He goes, yes. I said, well, it just so happens, Lance, that I've been friends with Mark Cohn since <laughs> about the first grade. Um, we both were from Cleveland, actually uh, a suburb, Beachwood, Ohio. Right. And I said, I tell you what. Uh, the next time that Mark Cohn comes to San Diego, because he comes about well, once, maybe every other year, either goes to the belly up, plays there, or uh, sometimes, you know, out to the, the San Diego Pops, you know, right. uh, amphitheater out there. And boy, I can't wait for that opening of the oh, new I shell know. out there. That's yeah, going to be that's phenomenal. Gonna be cool. Um, but I said, the next time that Mark Cohn comes here, I said, um, I'm going to take you and I'm going to get front row seats and, oh. and you're going to meet Mark Cohn and I'm going to have him dedicate walking you know, with Memphis uh. to him. And he's like, my God, that'd be amazing. So literally over the next couple months, I'm, I'm checking and checking, you know, to see what the right. dates are. And sure enough, you know, he's going to come and actually he was going to play up at, up in La Jolla. So I'm first in line. I get front row seats for Lance and I, and we're going to go with a couple other uh, from the Challenge Athletes Foundation. And it was going to be April of uh, 2020. Well, we all know now uh, that, you know, COVID. Yeah. And so, of course, the concert was uh, was canceled. And the night that we would have gone, you know, I called Lance just to say, hey, you know, he'll, he'll come back. And, you know, it's yeah. unfortunate. And he had such a great, great attitude, Lance, as he always does. But then I thought, you know what? I'm going to contact my friend Mark Cohn. And I did. And then Mark ended up sending him a video of singing a portion of Walking in Memphis wow. just for Lance, inviting him to the next concert wow. that when he comes back to right. San Diego. So no date yet, but, you know, hopefully pretty soon that we'll be able to do that. But again, you know, I didn't know that Lance was going to say that this song, and right. I happened and to, happen know to know Mark, the guy. Exactly. we're all connected. That's that's awesome. said, um... Are you a Christian? I said, girl, I am tonight. Walking in Memphis. I love that song. Great song. Mark, great Mark song. I would say things a little better. No, um, well, but, I'm I'm muted. Let me, let me. Oh, got it. <laughs> okay, okay, now, it's, see, here we go. Now it's a challenge. I'm doing a karaoke version to Walking in Memphis, and I'm going to send it to Mark, and he'll probably retire. He'll go. I can't. <laughs> Nobody will ever sing this song again after Tony Lawrence sang it. So, <laughs> no, He's he's got a great voice, soulful, soulful. He's incredible. Deep. He's yeah. just incredible. So that's yeah. But don't poo-poo my singing. 
I used to be in a band for a long time. Again, music videos. My guest today has been Shelly Zimmerman. I am done since she insulted my singing. So, <laughs> all she said is Mark sings it better than you. That that Relax. is true, but you yeah, know, know me, man. That's that's an insult. I cut you to your heart. So yes, wow. <coughs> yes. But you know what? What they say is that then you know what you got to do. You got to work harder. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start singing it right now. Actually, when you listen to this, it'll be playing in the background already. Oh, I love that. Your that's version. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Okay, yes. I'm committing right now that I'm going to play his whole version for the good part of the story. Then I will sing a small part and put it on after. And not okay. as a competition, as an homage to to him and to Lance. Lance, I'm doing this for you, buddy. Nice. Put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane. Touched down in the land of the Delta Blues In the middle of the pouring rain <laughs> Well, that's straight no filters into a desktop microphone So, okay, Mark, you win this song But I challenge you right here, right now Any podcast, any time That we'll sing songs that aren't yours, specifically And we'll have a little contest And while you will probably win I'm giving you a run for your money. So if you hear this and you have any courage, you will look me up and we will have this contest. Are there any other challenged athlete stories you'd like to share? You know, I, I have, you know, literally probably dozens upon dozens, but, but I will, you know, talk about another one about, uh, we talk about every, that everybody is connected and, and the stories that they tell. And here's the story of Jeremy Poissonneau. Um Jeremy Poissonneau was a, I believe, a freshman or sophomore at San Diego State, and suddenly, um, you know, he ends up losing his eyesight by a, a rare genetic disorder. I mean, and he was a, a golfer, and, and you know, he was so incredibly depressed, and he's telling me this story, and as I said, he lost his eyesight, so he is on a bicycle, but the back seat of a tandem bicycle, obviously, he's, you know, obviously because of right. his eyesight, so the back seat. And so he's telling me this story as we're, again, riding along, and uh, um, he, he says he was incredibly depressed, and he's literally every day is, you know, laying on his parents' couch. He thinks his life's over. He has no idea what he's going to do with the re rest of his life. And he said, but then I can hear the TV. And this man comes on, and I, I heard that, you know, there was this terrible, you know, jet crash, an F-18 jet crash into University City as he continues to tell the story. And a man comes on, and his name is Don Yoon, and he starts talking about, you know, he lost his family in this jet crash in University City, but he only spoke through love uh, for, and forgiveness for the pilot wow. that, that took his family. And I, I'm listening to this story from Jeremy, and I said, Jeremy, uh, and, and I need to say, too, that Jeremy went on, and, and he told us that that, you know, was the catalyst that got him off the, the couch, and he became an inspirational speaker, and that has touched likely tens of thousands of lives, and he wow. also became a, I think it's been three times now, a world-blind golf champion, and I'm sure he has other, you know, championships, uh, you know, coming, <laughs> that he's going to be able, he's just an incredible golfer, um, and he's telling me this story, and I'm like, wow, I go, Jeremy, I said, I was the incident commander 
at that scene. I said, I was the captain at Northern Division when that happened, and you just, I mean, this was such a terrible, terrible incident, and you just made me feel better about it because of something so tragic. Here I am listening to you that this man, Don Yoon, got you off your couch and you started living again. You became an inspirational speaker, touching tens of thousands likely of lives because of Mr. Don Yoon, and I handled that scene. And wow. I'm like, I feel better now just listening right. to you. Yeah, no. Yeah. And it, it's just a tangent when you were even just saying about the different people. Every time you say that, I think about my idiotic comment about I have new knees and I can't do it. So, well, <laughs> you know, and Gary, if I'm not mistaken, you know, Gary, if I'm not mistaken, you you were had a, a, a large part in that in that terrible scene. I was working northern that day and. I went out to the scene and they assigned me to stay with Mr. Yoon because that we had me, to take him somewhere. Let me just say a little bit. Uh, Don Yoon lived in the house, had left for work, a plane for, for work. Right, a plane yeah. crashed into his house and F-A-18 killed. F A eighteen jet crashed uh, and, into his uh, house and killed his wife, wife two his... children, and mother. Yeah, he had a, he had a newborn baby. He had a young, a toddler age child, Correct. and his wife. And his mother-in-law were all killed. Correct. Oh. So he leaves for work that morning and comes wow. comes home, gets notified that his house was hit by a jet, and you know, wow, and the house burned okay. down. I'm sorry, I just want to set some background for the for the listeners. Please go on. So I was. They asked me to basically, not basically, to um, stay with Mr. Yoon. They brought him over to our break room at Northern Division, and I just had to hang out with them. Um, now, what was, his, keep... what was his mind state then? Was he already in a forgiving type state? Or was he, he was just very quiet, and I remember this so clear. He wanted to watch Channel 10 News, and I kept trying to change the channel to game shows or anything. Right, right. He, didn't, he wanted 10. He was just mm. very respectful but very firm Consistent, about that. Right. He just wanted to get updates. He knew. I'm assuming he knew what happened. He knew, but um, he hadn't been told officially. So... What's interesting to me is that that time I had, um, I'm working as a detective. I had another business I was working and sleep was very valuable to me. And (laughs) I, so I had my grand, some of my grandkids living with me and some of my daughters and my wife and our one granddaughter, Brianna, she'd always come into our room like about three in the morning every day as a little kid. So first we shut the door. She'd still come. Then she'd open the door. Then we go, okay, we'll lock the door. She'd bang on the door. So she came in. So it wasn't like a huge deal, but right. it's just like I wanted to get some sleep. Yep. Well, after that incident happened, I never complained about that ever again. It's wow. like when Brianna came in, come in, and me and my wife talked about it. I'm like, I'm not complaining about yeah. anything. Because as an officer, a lot of times... I was involved in a lot of homicide cases and people being a lot of stuff happening, bad stuff happening to people. But that particular incident, it was different for me because all that guy did is go to work. Yeah. And if he didn't go to work, if he would have called in sick that day, he'd have been there. You know, it's, you know, the house next to him also burned down, but that whole family was gone. 
Wow. So it's just it's just one of those things that really had an impact on me. You know, and I think you asked us a question early on about what's the best stuff, you know, about, mm. um, you know, being a police officer. And, and, you know, I don't know if you put it in, like, to the, the best things or the most rewarding things, but you see people at their worst, but you see people at their best yep. during the worst times, too. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's an incredible, you know, as they say, it's the front row seat to life. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Did you just make that up right now? I just said it right now. Wow, yeah. coin, that coin. That's good. That's. Uh, I'm going to say that from now on. Please do. I'm going to. That's true. <laughs> Being a police officer is a front front row seat to to life. Wow. Garrett, got anything like that philosophical? No, that's why you weren't chief. That's right. <laughs> there you go again. <laughs> Okay, well, I got one more commercial break. Then we're going to talk about just some fun, silly stuff and see if you can sing Cleveland Rocks for the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) But first, morning briefing coffee roasted locally here in La Mesa. Custom blends when you want a fresh cup of gourmet coffee. Contact morning briefing coffee here in La Mesa. God damn, Jimmy. This is some serious gourmet shit. Me and Vincent would have been satisfied with some freeze-dried taster's choice, right? (laughs) <laughs> Nice brings this serious gourmet shit on. What flavor is this? Like it off, Julie. What? I don't need you to tell me how good my coffee is, okay? I'm the one who buys it. I know how good it is. Bonnie goes shopping, she buys shit. I buy Morning the Morning briefing. Because when I drink it, I want to taste it. When you want to taste your coffee, when you want that serious gourmet coffee, the best part of waking up coffee, good to the last drop, tastes as good as it smells, you'll always want a second cup coffee. When you want that, get locally roasted morning breathing coffee right here in La Mesa. He makes custom blends and you always get top quality fresh coffee. Morning breathing coffee. When you want that gourmet And we are back. And we just talked about some very serious issues and some very serious, some very rewarding circumstances in the world. Some very touching things. Now we're just going to have a little fun, wind down and, and, and be a little silly. One of the things we talked about when Gary was on the podcast, he did one of the very early podcasts where we're kind of finding the format. And um, Gary, you want to tell us your affinity for Barbara Eden? I don't want to talk about that. What they can do, though, they can go back and check in the, <laughs> and archives. the archives. Yeah. <laughs> Get you another another hit on that. Another hit on the Gary Lawrence yeah. issue. They all are available at TonyOnTheMic.com. Yeah. TonyOnTheMic.com on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Haven't done any TikToking yet, but I do have the domain just in case. And a YouTube channel coming. Okay, let's talk about, we'll do you Gary first. What's your guilty pleasures? What are, you, what are something you know you shouldn't do, but you do? I'd say watching 90 Day Fiance. Really? That's my guilty pleasure. I love that show. Really? Can't get enough. That show is garbage. That's why I love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you actually like know the people on the show? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Now, are are there any young Barbara Edens out there on Ninety Day? There's Beyond? a few. Really? Yeah. That's Russian, pretty high praise. Russian, Russian Barbara women. Edens. Eden, yeah. Or Russian that would Barbara get Barbara Edens. run for her money. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Young. Um, Absolutely. Young Gary had quite the thing for Barbara Eden, mm. and. What? Who was the other one? I forget. There wasn't there another crush early on? Because one of the questions we asked in the beginning was, I "Who was your was. first kiss, your first crush, and your first date?" And 
and who's your famous like TV celebrity crush. And we've we've kind of moved away from that just for no ne- no reason. We just kind of morphed away. But Gary's revelations were worth <laughs> anyone who knows Gary going back and checking this out. <laughs> Check that out, Gary. <laughs> What about you, um, Shelly? Rumor has it on the street that they're saying in the in the squad rooms that you've never seen a cookie that you could walk by. Is that? <laughs> uh, I keep trying to find one that I may not like, but uh, <laughs> but I haven't I haven't done that yet. But I, you know, maybe that's why I work out all the time. Yeah. What's your What's your favorite go to cookie? What? Uh, chocolate chip. Just a straight chocolate chip? No, like straight m- chocolate white chocolate chip. macadamia. Nope, straight, straight chocolate chip. chip. Okay. And, Chewy, uh, crunchy. Um. Kind of middle. Middle? All right. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> you know, right out of the oven. You know, it's Oh, out of the oven yeah, is... Right. Maybe yeah. a little vanilla ice cream over it. Uh-oh, now. Mm-hmm. See, now now you're talking. Right. Now we're getting into guilty pleasures. Hot cookie out of the oven with some ice cream. We've been watching 90 Day Fiance. And they're right. <laughs> <laughs> Sit on the couch and tune in to 90 Day Fiance. Uh, so, the, the again, sorry, the train wreck that is 90 Day Fiance, they, they meet... And they get married in 90 days? How does that... I've never even heard of this. What it is is people that have the K-1 visa. Okay. So they'll meet, either meet online or they meet on vacation uh, and they yeah. want to bring that other person back. Well, how the visa system works, which I didn't know till 90 Day Fiance, <laughs> once you're, they come over on a, on a visa, they have 90 days to live, hang out together. The person that comes on the visa can't work because it's not a work visa. Right. And they just... They make the decision in that 90 days if they're going to get married, then they have to get married. Or if they don't, the person has to go back to the country. So it's not a game show. It's it That's sounds... the way the lo- the rules are for immigration wow. laws are. Wow. So Can you imagine? So, so, you, so they'll, they'll <laughs> show, they'll show the this. people no. meeting in the other country, and they'll Never go visit the other no, people. No, me either. So you'll, the they'll previews. go to all over. So they show different people from all over the world, and they have their interactions. And, and they have... Essentially, eighty-nine days they have to get married by the ninetieth day, or they once get... they come over on the visa, they have to ninety. But a lot of times, it will happen. The people from the U.S. will go and they'll just keep visiting their uh, loved one over there, so they'll film it. them there. But eventually, when they come over, that's when the ninety days starts. Okay, what percentage get married? Over fifty percent. Really? Wow, that is something. Now, also, Shelly, you brought your guitar when you came to San Diego. I understand you were in the pep band in high school? Uh, I played in the marching band and okay. the orchestra in high school. I played clarinet and uh, drums. And then at The Ohio State, I played in the uh, pep band, so basketball games. Okay, not the marching band where they dot no, the I. No, wasn't, I wasn't good enough for the really? marching band. Yeah, I how tried serious, out. How I tried serious out. do they take the marching oh, band? Oh, it's, uh, I tell you, it's a. Uh, it's that it's very serious. It's t- I think it might be tougher to make the marching band than actually the, 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 football, the football team. team. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it was something else, and and it was uh, they're amazing. And you know, I was just honored to have the opportunity to play in the pep band. But no, yeah. I, I got caught from the marching band. I wasn't wow. good enough. Wow. Now the whole process of dotting the eye. How did that's they... a sousaphone player. So you have to uh, play sousaphone, and okay. uh, See, usually it goes low. to a fourth or maybe even a fifth year. Uh, senior, senior and done by seniority. Oh, seniority. Yeah. Okay. So you couldn't have some hotshot freshman sousaphone no. player. Oh no, no, come no. in. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> and and I would tell you, they're all phenomenal. People are incredible. I mean, you you follow the band. It's Tabittle, which stands for the best damn band in the land, oh. which they are. They're they're absolutely amazing. 
And, uh, you know, they, a lot of times when people go to, you know, a football game, they they go walk around on halftime or go right. do whatever they're doing. Uh, when you go to a, a game at Ohio, Ohio State, State you... you're, you're, you're staying to watch the band. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you, now let's let's get in touch with your feeling. Did you cry when you got cut? No. no Come no, on. No, it, it, because they were right. I wasn't okay. good enough. I mean, <laughs> they, I mean, I'm looking around going, my gosh, you know, I thought yeah. I had a pretty good, you know, good chance and... And I'm like, man, these they're, they're amazing. No, so I, I, now I, did you go to Ohio State thinking you were going to play in the marching band? No, not no? really. Okay. I, you know, but it was something that I did play, you know, sure. some instruments. So yeah. I thought, you know, let me give this a try. And uh, you know, nothing ventured, nothing game. And nope. you know, as I, I often say too, you, you know, you make zero percent of the, the shots, shots you, you never take. take. So I figured, let me try. And I, I was okay but i wasn't great wasn't good enough, and yeah. everybody on that uh that makes well, a band is great and that, that's and that's true i remember when my son went to play football his first day at 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 camp at usd he says he called and says everybody here's fast everybody here's big yep. everybody here's good yep and you know in high school you could do a lot of activities which is great and you yep. should you should do as many as you can but once you get and when you go to like the ohio state band Right. You know, that's that it really takes that's professional. That's big time. Yeah, yeah. it is. So. It is. And it's I, like you said, I'm, I'd be curious. You know what? I'm going to do I'm going to do a research and if I can find it, I'll, I'll share it in the episode of, of what percentage of people try out for the football team that make it and what percentage of the band. I'd be curious to see how many people try out for the band when you you went through a formal tryout. Yeah, I did. And, you know, it's over the summer before the, the, right. the first weekend. And um uh, and they have, at least back then, they had two cuts. I don't know if it's more than that or whatever. But, you know, so you m maybe get through the first one and then, you know, you, then you have last cuts. But the interesting thing is you have to um, earn that spot every single week. So it, even if you make the band to tell you how competitive it is, is that you're not guaranteed the next game to be on the field to be you know to be one of the wow. spots because there's they take two extra for and, and it, i think it's the same way i'm not sure right. that's how it was you know i graduated in 1981 um and so um there's a couple extra for each of the different rows and so you may not you know uh, wow. make it the very next game and you got to memorize your music too so if you ever watch them which i hope you do I have uh them. it's they don't march with music so you're memorized the I songs for that week it. plus all the movements the footwork, and yeah. of course you know script ohio obviously is right the incomparables <laughs> they call it script ohio <laughs> the regiment you know the song that they play so uh it's just incredible and uh you know going to a big school like that like i said i had no idea that i was going to end up here in, in san diego but it was that football game that changed my life and you know the opportunities that that uh going to ohio state has brought me i one of the things i you know that i am on is the um you know you talk about different boards i'm on the uh advisory board to the uh sociology department at ohio yeah. state nice gary ever play in a band no i've seen a lot of bands so. <laughs> see my band that counts yeah yeah <laughs> so our band um now cleveland home of the rock and roll hall of fame correct did you ever go oh many times yeah oh, yeah, yeah they, and they changed the um uh, you know the different displays to to keep it kind of fresh. I haven't yeah. been in in a few years, but yeah. yeah. So, are you one of those people who watch this like when they have a new induction every year to see who gets inducted? I was at the original one really? at the old Cleveland. I flew back for it uh, at the old 
uh, you know, so I was already living out here in San Diego, but it's the old Cleveland Municipal Stadium that, yeah. you know, seats like whatever it was, 78,000 people. Uh, it had the old pillars, you know, the pillars from the old oh, stadiums. Yeah. And so it was something like a six-hour concert, if I remember, and uh, ended up getting some really decent seats mm-hmm. um, and, you know, stayed for the entire concert. That was, and that was the original inductee. Uh, do you yeah. remember who was, who played? Any, uh, any think, of the players? I think Springsteen, I think. Wow. I mean, all, all the original inductees the inductees, were yeah, I'm going to look that up. It's interesting. Yeah. Hey, let's see. Gary, what's your um, go-to junk food snack? Um, hot fudge sundae or peanut butter cookies? Peanut butter cookies. Now, do you make the peanut butter cookies with the fork, or you make the do you make homemade peanut butter cookies, or you buy both? Okay, because I I can make you some cookies, because I can cook. Let's go for it. All right, and but <laughs> but you you make the ball, and then you get the fork, and you put the little crosses. In I know the what you're talking board. about. Yeah, those are, that's the way to go. Cookies. What about fast food? What's your fast food uh, weakness? Your Achilles heel. My fast food, I actually like. Which I know you're not believe me, but I like the salads at, oh, at, stop at Wendy's. It. Stop it! I do. So you're gonna go to Wendy's and go? Don't give me any real food. Give me a salad. That's what I like. What do you want me to do? <sighs> I, want you- <laughs> <laughs> I want you to embrace your inner meat eater. I'm a big meat eater, Tony. You know that. <laughs> I can't accept salad as a guilty pleasure. I just you no. You said fast food. Fast food, yeah, but guilty pleasure, not not your favorite fast. Oh, food. Oh, guilty item. pleasure. Yeah, your your fast food go to junk food. Your, oh, okay, okay. Well, that's going to be um, in and out. In and out. Actually, not so much because of the burgers, because of the shakes ah. and the fries. Because you could eat a burger without destroying your health for the day, but throw in the shakes and the fry. The shake. Is what I like. Yeah. Because it's... Do you dip your fries in the shake? No. No? Have you no. ever done it? No. Should I? You absolutely should. <laughs> Don't let Shannon know you've never done that. Okay. That's her favorite. She'd go to get the Frosties at Wendy's yeah. and to dip a fry in and eat it. You'll never go back. You'll never eat fries okay. solo again. We'll try this'll, it. This will change your life. What about you, Shelly? You know, I don't eat a lot of fast food. Um... See, I knew that question when she says, yeah, I'm right. I'm biking 640 miles <laughs> and doing a triathlon. She's but, not pounding a lot of Twinkies no. and cheeseburgers. No, I, I mean, I don't, but look, you know, on occasion, I will go to the In-N-Out. On occasion, uh, occasion I'll stop in, you know, and get, you know, some fish tacos at, okay. at you know, at yeah. Rubio's. Uh, on occasion, I'll go to um, El Pollo Loco, get some, you know, chicken. Yeah. Um, but you know, on occasion, I, I guess yeah. it's a guilty pleasure every yeah, now and then. Exactly. Yeah. I'll that's, that. that's all I'm looking for. And I'm happy to say that I've evolved into like El Pollo Loco and some, and even the fish tacos that are reasonably healthy choices because I would just go and ask how much meat can you put on a bun? And for every piece of meat, make sure there's two pieces of cheese and then give it to me. <laughs> You know, it's funny that you said that because, like, even like when I go to, Hawaii, I would say In and Out because you can get it uh, protein style. You know, yeah. you, you get it. And so if I'm gonna, I try to like play these games with myself, right? So right. if I'm gonna um, get French fries, then I can't have the bun, so I can't have you know, both. both. Right. So okay. I get you have to be one or the other, right. right? So I'll get it protein style, but then you know, get the fries. But now what happens? Because you're supposed to dip. Never and the shake, that. so yeah, now you I need the shake. It, yeah. you, right, you don't have a shake. Going to have to complete that, right? <laughs> you, you should. It's or, or ride another 100 miles that week, right? Right, right. <laughs> or stop 
a hundred miles south of San Francisco and then pick up the shake and <laughs> right, some fries right. and then because you got plenty of time to burn it off the rest right. of the way. I'm not sure that's probably the best fueling. <laughs> <for>. <laughs> uh, that's that's just a bad attitude. That's just not, <laughs> you got to believe that's fuel. Okay, so Gary, today's your last day on Earth. Okay, you have one more snack or food, meal, like dessert, appetizer, whatever you want in the world. You get to watch a movie, plug in a song. What are you going to go with? My movie is going to be oh. um, Coming to America. Oh, okay. I thought for sure you were going to go start like beaches steel or magnolias, steel magnolias. Pretty or, woman. No. Yeah. <laughs> my, um, my meal is going to be... It's going to be... Um, Lop, steak and lobster. Okay. With cheesecake for dessert. Okay. Any sides with the steak and lobster? You're gonna go a little uh, rice pilaf or something. Well, that the um, macaroni, the macaroni and, macaroni cheese, and cheese with okay. more lobster in that. With more lobster in the mac mm-hmm. and cheese. Okay. Lobster mac and cheese. Okay. All right. And then uh, your song. My song would probably be anything by Aaron Neville. I like him a lot. Okay. Aaron Neville, not Barry White. No. <laughs> Barry's gonna be disappointed because <laughs> Barry listens to this podcast. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shelly, your last day, your last going out in the blaze of glory. No more bike rides, no more triathlons, just pure pleasure. You well, get a. I think you know. Growing up, I my mom, you know, just an incredible cook, and uh, you know, I'd come home and and we'd have these big family dinners on Friday night, you know, Shabbos, and and. You know, we'd come home and smell the chicken soup and the brisket or whatever she was making. So, you know, if it was my last last day, you know, yeah. I would spend it with family with one of those great meals my mom would make. You know, big spread, the chicken soup, the, the you know the chicken soup, the brisket, the uh, you know rice pilaf, great salad. You know, uh, her uh, um, pineapple cake. You know, or whatever, Dessert, whatever, yeah, cake. All right. or cookies. You know, whatever it happens to be, and that that's how I would spend it. Okay, any family movie you guys would sit and watch? You or? know, um, we have such. You know, we just love just laughing and telling yeah. stories ourselves. It's like, you know, I remember sometimes we'd go out for restaurants at kid, you know, as kids, and other people that would be out the restaurant would say that, you know, it's great to see a family laughing together. Yeah. That was and, always us too. Yeah. So it's, you know, we're just spending the time and talking and uh, reminiscing would just be phenomenal. So I'll give you a little Billy Joy, right? I got it back up from the mic a little bit. We might be laughing a bit too loud, oh, but that never hurt no one. So well done. Say hi. Don't Mark Cone. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see you do that, Mark Cone. No warm up on a mic set for no vocals. <laughs> and uh did you, you had a pineapple cake and dessert and music? What, well, uh, you know, I, I like so many different uh genres of music. I mean everything from rock to to soul to rhythm and blues to you know jazz uh so it kind of will depend you know on how the night goes quite frankly mm-hmm. uh as to what we want to listen to but you know we like just so many you know just so many artists so many songs um just phenomenal i can't wait for concerts to resume here and yeah live so music. be able to go back live music so if you can see any concert alive or dead who would it be wow um, and she didn't prep this, folks. Yeah. So. What about all. you, Gary? You have something? If you beat her, to you work. know what I'd like to see is the 
I saw Commodores, but it wasn't the Commodores, Lionel Richie Commodores. It was oh uh, yeah yeah with the English guy, right? With like three I saw original it at street Commodores, scenes. right? And then yeah, I would have been cool to see the original Commodores, Lionel Richie. That'd be cool. And I guess I'll say is let me just talk maybe about some of the concerts that I've seen that I've absolutely loved. Okay. I mean, I loved Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. Uh, I loved, loved. Fly you know, me to the moon. All of that, you know. Uh, um, obviously, New York, New York, just you know, yeah. incredible. But um, you know, Billy Joel. Billy I actually got Joel. to meet Billy Joel. Really? I got to meet Bono when I was wow. chief. You know, when you two played here. Uh, loved um, Metallica when they were here. Okay. So, like I said, I love. Yeah. A lot of different type types of music, um, and those were all just uh, the Stones concert was great. Yeah. I mean, so again, I I love going to concerts, and uh, it's it's just great. The Eagles that they were here the was you know not that long ago. Um, you know, obviously before COVID, it was a great concert. Uh, so looking forward to just getting back out there and live music. Thank you guys for not reacting to my cramp. I got a cramp and adjusted in my seat. And professionals, Shelly didn't miss a beat. Gary must not notice because he would have laughed at me. <laughs> I thought your seat broke. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Shelly, you requested a guitar and a sing-along at the end. So if you're... <laughs> last chance That's to... That's not happening. Last chance to, to reward us with some music. Oh, uh, no. I want I want people to continue to listen. Okay, now, how often... Well, we're almost done. They can turn it off now. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. In a case there's still a chance I, that people are still I, listening. I was going to say, I already, I've already got the click and the download by this point. <laughs> I don't, if they listen to the Beyond Here, I don't really care. Do you still play at all? Do you play? I, I do. I, I still play. You know, Like I said, I play a few instruments, none of them well. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's uh, you know, it's relaxation for me. You know, that's... Uh, that would be wow. That would just be amazing to be a rock star, you know, in front front of a, a live yeah a live concert out there that people were just totally into. Yeah. You know my music. How great would that be? I remember a couple of times, you know, as um, you know, as chief, but even throughout my career, is that um, you know somebody would would kind of jokingly say, you know, there'd be some like community band or something, you know, right. a few players and and someone said, hey chief, you know, why don't you get up and, and play with them? Um, I'm like, okay, as long as I can play drums. And everybody would be like, well. And so <laughs> I, I know there's probably video out there of oh, me. All you right, know, folks, if you have video, <laughs> I want it. I'll put it on Tony on the Mic YouTube channel. <laughs> now, do you, do you have a, a kit? Do you have a drum no, kit? No, I don't. Not? Okay. I, yeah, I don't. And you think but, you could, I mean, could you still sit in today and play Brown Eyed Girl or whatever? And uh, Not well. Okay. Yeah, not well. Like I said, I play a few instruments, but not well. Yeah, drums are deceptively hard. Because every band I've ever been in, I've always tried to play the drums with no training or practice or anything. And it's terrible. <laughs> I had an opportunity to play with uh, uh, Sully and the Soljones. Oh, wow. Uh, you know Sully? Yeah, and, heck yeah. Uh, he does a lot with the Challenge Athletes. And, nice. Uh, I played, uh, he asked me to come up, and I ended up uh, playing the congos oh okay and and i did okay you actually nice. put it out there i you know but that's a little different than right than a full a, drum a, kit yeah, yeah. Full kit. yeah. no right. i Trap i think shot. i could because you could on the congos you can actually stop for and consider it you know dramatic flair you know you can <laughs> right right <laughs> but if the drum stops right then it's trouble what about you gary you sing play anything i don't sing i don't play anything what I have no musical abilities <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, there on, is a rap video out there that you made. 
Mm-hmm. Where? I must have this. I made a rap video from one of my friends, Joe Howie. Okay. A long time ago really? about a car we used to have when we were partners. I heard something about really? this. Now, this they video? Played, they played it's No, no, it's an Just audio. audio. Okay. And they played it at my retirement party. That's okay. That's where it. I heard it. Yeah. That's where I heard it. Yeah. I'm going to find I, it. And I made up a rap. That's going to play us out. About the car. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know where it is now. <laughs> uh, we got to find it. Well, I, you got to find it well, like within the next week because I want to drop this. What's today? Wednesday? Friday? A week from Friday. And I'd love to have that be the in outro people, music. In people, it's called Rolling in Big Blue. Rolling in Big Blue. Huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. I, and that was great. the name of the car. I need to... I yeah. need. Yeah. I actually put that together when you, hmm? when you said it was a song about the car and then you, you, you called it. You know what Rolling. I was talking about? Yeah. Hmm. I, I figured it was... <laughs> that's my only musical. Well, that's something. And luckily, folks, we're going to get it. Who's going to have that? Whitney might get it for me. Who who got it for the... Not if I get to them first. Right. <laughs> 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 who, who got it for the... Somebody got it for the... The retirement party. Blanco get it for me. Actually, I'm going to text her right now before you have a chance to talk to her. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. I really appreciate carving out some of your evenings. This is great. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, It's been informative. It has absolutely been inspiring. And it's been funny. We laughed some good laughs. So I'm going to ask now that we sign off. Shelly, anything you want to say? Promote? Do you have a website? Do you have a... Social media, do you have anything that you do that you might uh, want to call some attention to? Well, you know, we talked about the Challenged Athletes Foundation. And then, you know, if I could just ask your listeners is that, you know, let's take care of each other out there. I like it. I like it. There's another word of uh, wisdom. Yeah, public safety is a shared responsibility. So let's let's all of us be kind to each other. I like it. I like it. Gary, you can top that? You know I can't top that. <laughs> Why didn't you ask me first? I should have. That was that was poor hosting on my part. That's okay. <laughs> so, um, all right. With that, we'll say goodnight. Shelly, say goodnight, folks. Good night. And yeah, Gary. Good, good night, night, everybody. Peace all right. Thanks, everybody, for coming on. You can find me at Tony on the Mic, TonyOnTheMic.com, Tony on the Mic, at all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the TikTok. I haven't done a TikTok yet, but I promise I will. Tony on the Mic. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Tony in the Mesa, the Mesa, outro, 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 outro.